Welcome to Headed Someplace, a show where strong, inspiring, enduring women share their stories with us. I'm Kara, and this week we get to hear from my friend Jamie Myers as she shares her story with us of losing her dad and much more recently miscarrying their baby boy Wesley. She also shares things that are helpful for friends to do and not do or say when helping a friend through grief. And we get a little bonus story about a run-in she had with Carrie Underwood. So, without further ado, here's Jamie. Jamie, thank you. Kara! For being on my podcast. Yes, you've been dreaming about this for so long. I know, it's coming, it's, it's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen, but no, it is going to happen. <laughs> it's happening. Okay, it's happening right so now. yes. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in life. All right. So my name is Jamie Myers. I am wife to Zach, mom to a sweet baby boy in heaven named Wesley. Yes. Um, And I work as a physician assistant and I do like family medicine, primary care, but it's really geriatrics because all of my patients are over 65. Yes. (laughs) You're so good with the elderly. Yeah, they all forget to wear their hearing aids, so I have to talk really loud. <laughs> does that make you a little mad sometimes? It does, a little bit. <laughs> Just, like, frustrated. Because here you have this resource you could use to hear people, and you're not using it, so. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay, so you're married to Zach. How long have y'all been married? Um, We have been married almost two years. Our anniversary is coming up awesome. on Tuesday. Yay! So Two days for all you podcast listeners. That's right. Except they'll probably be listening past your anniversary. So happy anniversary in the past, Jamie. Yes. Okay. We've been (laughs) married two years. (laughs) Okay. So I always like to start off with you telling us something like a random fact. Could be quirky. Could be just a weird fact about you that not a lot of people know. So go. Okay. Actually... This was hard to decide, so I have two, if that's okay. That's totally okay. Okay, so the first one is that in high school, I used to have blonde hair, and I'm from Shakota, which is the hometown of Carrie Underwood. Yeah. And she, yeah, uh uh-huh. So she won American Idol, came back to sign autographs, and they needed her, or they needed a double for her so she could sneak out the back. So I was Carrie Underwood's double whenever she came to Shakota to sign autographs. So you're basically famous. Yes, That's basically. Because <laughs> I had blonde hair and I don't know. And I remember, so here's what happened is they snuck her out of the back of the high school and then they had all of the cops in Shakota surround and hover over me. And they there were people lined up on the way to the Hummer limousine that they had Ooh, waiting for. Fancy. I know, fancy. So so they were all hovering over me, and people were totally buying it. And then I hear this one little boy yell out, That's not Carrie! That's not Carrie! <laughs> <laughs> and they, like, ducked me in the limousine really quick, and I sat there for, like, 30 minutes while Carrie Underwood's made it home. That's it was a, so funny. That's really that's a really awesome random quirky fact. Yes. Like I don't know if anyone's gonna beat that. I know. I now I, I have another one, but it's not as good, so I just won't even say it. Well okay, but I have a I have another 
something a little birdie told me is that one of your brothers went on a date with Carrie Underwood. Yes, he did. And she quotes it as her worst date ever in an InStyle magazine. <laughs> you can you can like go look at the article right now if you Google Carrie Underwood outs cruel ex. Oh and yes. It shares the story. Okay, yeah. I will link to that in the show notes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Those so are th- this is good, Jamie. You're a good like <laughs> random fact person. Oh yeah, I love random facts. I mean, if you really sit down and think about it, people have lived a lot of life. That's so. right. <laughs> It's true. I've had a lot of people have a lot of random facts. Truer things have never been said. Right. Okay, so, Jamie, we met about two years ago, right before you got married, and I was pregnant with my first boy at yoga. Do you want to tell the story, or do you want me to tell the story? I'm going to tell the preface to the story, and then you can finish the story. Okay, let's hear it. So, Allie Hofford is our common denominator. Yes, Um, mutual friend mutual friend, Allie Halford, and she was coming to my house to drop something off, but she was on her way to a baby shower, and I asked her whose baby shower she was going to, and she said, Kara Zimmerman's. She leads worship at church, and I said, oh, I want to be friends with her, and I almost (laughs) thought about going with her to the baby shower. You should have. You could have brought me a gift. I know. (laughs) And then, so then Allie took it from there and she sent you a picture of me and said, this girl wants to be friends with you. (laughs) Yes. Which is so funny. I actually didn't know she was, that was how that came up. But yes. So I get a text with this random girl's face. that's like, Hey, she wants to be friends with you. Meanwhile, I'm like, it was probably my mind was semi there and I was like, okay, cool. And I didn't remember that. Okay. So then do you want me to take it from here? Yes. Or do you want to? I don't know. Okay, so then we get to yoga because I'm so healthy in my pregnancy, and I did yoga a lot. Right. <laughs> um, okay, so then I get there, and Jamie comes up to me, who I don't know, and she was like, hey. And I was like, hey. <laughs> she goes, I'm Jamie. And I was like, okay. Like, And you said it in a way that was like, you know, Jamie. And I was like, no, don't know who you are. Right. And I'm like batting my eyes at you. And <laughs> so I was like, do I know you? And you're like, Allie. And I, so anyway, then it, then it clicked and I was like, oh yes. Okay. You're the girl that I'm supposed to be friends with. But it was like kind of awkward for the first few minutes of our friendship. Yes. Like it was, super awkward. I was like, as I was trying to backtrack, I, I remember having this, like, oh, no, she doesn't know me. This is super creepy. So awkward. Yeah, it was funny. But then, okay, so a beautiful friendship blossomed from there. And I actually remember that night you were you had just gotten your bridles done. And so you were flipping through on your phone, like, looking at them. And you had this yeah. picture of you and your wedding dress, and you were holding a shirt and so I was like, what's that? And you were, you said, this is my dad's shirt. I'm going to frame this photo and give it to my mom as a gift before our wedding. And so because I had kind of experienced loss before, too, something clicked in my head of like, okay, that's, that's, I'm like, wonder what happened to her dad. So I asked you about it, and um, you told me that your dad had passed away. And so it was kind of immediate connection that we had because I had actually lost my mom a few years before that and have a picture of me in my wedding dress, hold a picture, holding a picture of my mom in her wedding dress. So 
we ended up having like all these common things, both the youngest of four kids, the only girl, and we bonded. Three older brothers. That's right. <laughs> yes. We knew what it was like. So um so yeah, it was like instant instant love. Well, actually awkward moment and then instant love. <laughs> okay, so your dad so can you tell us a little bit about your dad? Like when how old were you when he passed away and what happened? Yeah, so I was 18 years old, a freshman in college, and it was actually, it was on September 11th, so I'd only been been in school for about two weeks. I was at the University of Arkansas, which is in Fayetteville, and um, I was at a Bible study with my new sorority whenever I received phone call after phone call from my brother. And it didn't really register. I was like, hey, I'm in Bible study. I'm not going to answer my phone. And um, finally, I stepped out to call them back. And I remember my brother just saying, hey, dad collapsed. We're on our way to Tulsa. So I didn't know, like, okay, did he, I mean, did he fall? Did he trip? Like, at that point, I wasn't really in medicine. So I didn't know that, hey, someone collapsing, that's bad. It's not a good thing for that to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, like only bad things can come from people collapsing. Uh, so it didn't really resonate with me. I was like, okay, so dad collapsed. I'm sure he's fine. I'm going to go back and finish the Bible study. And I asked them to pray for my dad, which is so, I think that that was God's protection over me. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. So I knew that I was going to be going to Tulsa that night. So a group of girls drove me to my dorm. Um, I packed a bag. I didn't know what to pack. I didn't know how long I was going to be gone. I didn't know his status. I didn't know if he was fine or not fine. But um, walking out of my dorm, my mom called, and I remember her saying, weeping, he didn't make it. Mm. And um, I remember, like, wailing the loudest sob and myself collapsing, like, on the stairs of my dorm and I mean, I don't remember how long I stayed there, but just weeping for minutes and bless them. The girls in my sorority drove me to Tulsa that night. I got, I got there around midnight and my dad had suffered a massive heart attack while playing tennis. Um, so that's, that's kind of the story on what happened. And it was really hard because I wasn't a, I mean, I would have called myself a Christian at that point. But I, I didn't know what it meant to, like, lean into the Lord when bad things happen, like, more so when bad things happen. Right. And it was my first up-close experience with death. So all that to say, I didn't handle it well. Hmm. Um, um, lots of sin, lots of grief, lots of suffering and pain and isolation through that. And it wasn't until I moved to Oklahoma City and listened to a sermon from Frontline on Lazarus's death in John 11. So it wasn't until I listened to that sermon that I developed a biblical foundation of how to process through grief and how to process through loss. Um, we can see in John 11, like Jesus wept. So it was okay like to weep and be sad. And we see that he was deeply moved. So it's okay to like that translates to, that he was angry. So like Jesus was angry with death. So we can be angry with death too, as long as it's directed, like the anger is a righteous anger and is directed towards the right thing. So, yeah. yeah. So that was just a really hard season. Oh, yeah. Uh, experienced. And so you were, you said you were 18? 
I was 18 mm-hmm, when he passed away. Wow. So it's been almost, it's, it'll be nine years this September. Okay. Golly. Crazy to think about. Well, and I didn't realize till you just said that. So September is a hard month. Like you, you know, I've talked before about how, unfortunately, like there's no quota. We get to meet on suffering and hardship. It's not like, mm-hmm. okay, this happened. Yeah. Now I'm safe. You know, nothing else. Like it just doesn't work that way. And so you recently also experienced the loss of a baby and his due date was going to be in September. Yes. God, that's tough. I know. September, I remember in the hospital when we found out that Wesley had passed away, my sister-in-law was there and I said, man, September sucks. Yeah. is the worst month. (laughs) Can we just skip that month? (laughs) Sorry for all of you who have birthdays in September. Right. (laughs) My brother, my mom, my nephew, they all have birthdays in September, so we can't say that we totally hate it. (laughs) Yeah. I got to celebrate a little bit, but then also, yeah. Okay. So can you tell, like, whatever you want to share about Wesley, we'd love to hear. Yeah, so Zach and I found out that we were pregnant in January, and it, what's funny about that is we weren't planning, we were planning eventually to get pregnant, but we weren't planning at that time, so it was a total surprise, and thankfully it was a really, I mean, up until the last couple of weeks, it was a really uneventful pregnancy. I wasn't really that sick, I felt good, I wasn't that tired, um, all of my appointments were going as scheduled and as expected. Um, We waited until right at 15 and a half weeks to announce the pregnancy. And for some reason, I was just really, I was really paranoid. Like I was, I didn't even want to tell my family until we were for, for sure 12 weeks pregnant. But we waited until 15 and a half weeks and we had taken pregnancy announcement pictures and we had just blasted everything to social media. Mm -hmm. And two days later we were going to do just like an early ultrasound at a place called anticipation ultrasound. And they also do tattoo removal. So it's really the whole package. (laughs) Just in case you need that at the same time. (laughs) Right. Um, no regrets. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Um, so that day was a really weird day because my sister-in-law had texted me that morning and said, Hey, we love you praying for you and the baby today. And that was weird because we don't, I mean, we talk on a regular basis, but that was a really out of the blue text message. And whenever I got it, my stomach kind of sank because I knew that the ultrasound was going to be later that day. And I was like, that's just weird. I hope that does, that's not like an omen or I hope that's not something mm-hmm. like preparing me for something more later today. And then as soon as I thought it, it was in the back of my mind and I didn't really think about it the rest of the day. And then it was also a weird day because Tuesdays are my half day. So I was at work and it's not uncommon for me to not have anyone scheduled on a half day. But it is uncommon for no one to call in and ask for an appointment. But no one did. So my appoint, like my appointments were completely clear. I didn't see anyone that Tuesday, which looking forward to the story, I see that that's an evidence of God's grace that I didn't have any work to do in the days following. Like I didn't have to catch up on labs or do notes or anything like that. But so moving forward... Um, it was also a weird day because I went and stocked our grocery, like our cabinets and our refrigerator. And I cleaned 
the house like top to bottom. I cleaned panels and light or I cleaned windows and light fixtures, which isn't something that I normally do. I was just really anxious that day. Mm-hmm. It was so weird. Yeah, anyway, I remember you telling me about that. You're like, I cleaned the whole house <laughs> nesting. Right. Yes, I must have been. So Zach got home. It was right at 4.30. Our appointment was at 4.45. So we went and signed all the paperwork. And I thought it was so weird because they were like, you're going to need to leave us your doctor's phone number. And I was like, why do you need my doctor's phone number? Like, I don't want her to know I'm doing this because, I don't know, I just felt weird going to a non-medical place to get an ultrasound. But that's what we did. So she started doing the ultrasound. And it was really a sweet time because it took us three minutes at least to realize that our baby wasn't alive Mm. at that moment. So we got to take in his little hands and his little feet and his arms. And and it's so funny. Like, we were so naive to it because I remember saying, like, I drink a Diet Coke. I wonder why he's not moving. He must Mm. be really sleepy like his mama. Like, he likes to sleep just like his mom. Um, And then... I slowly started to realize like, no, she's having me switch positions because he's not moving and he's not moving because there's no heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And I, I asked her, I said, um, where, like, where is his heartbeat? And she said, that's what I'm trying to find. Mm -hmm. So that Tuesday we were 15 weeks and six days. So that was two days after we had announced the pregnancy and she advised that we go to the emergency room to confirm um, what we knew, which was fetal demise. Um, it's a really painful thing to remember, but also just God's presence in it was so evident just like throughout the day. So like my sister-in-law texting me, not having any patience that day, like God providing and making sure we had a clean house because we were going to have people in and out of it. Mm. God making sure we had a full refrigerator because he knew that people were going to be in and out of our house like while we were at the hospital because we had family come in. But um, anyway, so we were in the hospital. We were getting the ultrasound done to confirm what we knew. And I asked the sonographer if she saw his heartbeat. And she had asked me before, like, don't ask me if, you, if I see his heartbeat. And I knew that I wasn't supposed to, but I couldn't help it. Yeah. Um, and she said that she couldn't tell me. And she wheeled me out to the hallway, and Zach had to go make a phone call. And I remember being there by myself, and I cried out to the Lord, like, God, just draw near. Like, would you draw near? And in in that moment, my hope for him to draw near would be to make my dead baby's heart start beating again. But looking back, like, he was near in so many other ways, like through the nurses and through, I mean, his provision, through our friends, through our pastors, like through every little detail, like I can see that he was there, even in, and I'll get to this, but even in Wesley's condition, like I knew that his hand was over everything that had happened and proceeded was going to happen throughout those few next days and weeks and months. Yeah. Do you, do you really, I mean, I know you're saying now, like you can see God's hand in things, but like, did you feel that then? Or, I mean, did you feel that and then go through a time where you didn't feel that or like how? Oh yeah. So I think that in the immediate, 
like in the thick of everything in the trenches of, yes, I felt the Lord very, very near. Um, and I knew that he, like, I just, like, I, it was the most tangible experience I've ever had of his presence. Yeah. Um, even in probably one of the hardest moments of my life. I don't want to say that cause I don't want something harder to come. <laughs> right. Please. Oh, <laughs> uh. um, but we had nurses praying over us. We had my doctor praying over us, um, at midnight and Josh Curry from frontline, he's preached about the midnight hour, like of Silas and Paul sitting in the prison cell and they sang praises out to the Lord. And that was our midnight hour. Zach and I, before we went to bed, we prayed together and we prayed. We thanked the Lord for our time with Wesley. We thanked him for his plan in this, even though we didn't understand. We thanked him for being the better parent. Like no matter how good of parents we thought we were going to be to Wesley, like Jesus is the better parent. God Mm. is the better parent. So we knew like, we knew that at that point we didn't know Wesley's condition, but we knew that like Wesley's body was going to be whole and healed and being held in the arms of Jesus. So we yeah. thanked, thanked the Lord for that. Yeah, for sure. So what uh, was, what was his condition that you're referring yeah. to? Yeah. Yeah. So he was delivered and he had, he had three things that were obvious. We didn't end up sending him for an autopsy, but he had a cleft lip. He had a bifid sternum, which is basically he was he didn't have a breastbone, um, and his heart was outside of his rib cage. And he had so that's called ectopic cordis, I think. I don't know. You're so medical. I know. I so anyway, <laughs> his heart was outside of his rib cage, and then he also had something called gastroschisis, which is his his bowel, like his colon, was outside of his belly. Um, like it didn't go back in during normal development. So all of his defects were midline defects. And he, with what he had, we should have miscarried within the first few weeks of pregnancy. Wow. Um, so I'm really thankful that we were able to deliver. We were able to see his body and mm. hold him because there were a lot of questions that I was asking, like, what did I do? Did I take a medicine? I shouldn't have. Was it the spray tan that I got last week for our maternity pictures? Was it, you know, like the question just went on and on. So that was another evidence of God's grace. Like, hey, Jamie, no, this wasn't because of you. This was just a fluke part of the fallen world. Like babies are going to, like some babies are going to be sick Mm. and I'm leaving this with you. And I don't know. So that's kind of what was going on. So your community, I feel like really surrounded you, but do you have like certain things that stuck out of what people did, like specific things people did for you all? Cause I know like a lot of us have, it may not be a baby that someone's lost, but we've, we're all around people that experience loss and like, so stories of what people did tangibly for you guys would probably be helpful. Sure. So in loss and in suffering and death and grief, there's three needs that need to be met. And these are the ones that were met for us. They were our physical needs. So people set up meal trains, they brought us food. I mean, we didn't have to think about 
cooking for three weeks. Like we had a meal every single night for three weeks. And can I also say um, that I got some of those leftovers? <laughs> <laughs> yes, because there was so much food that I got to eat some of it too. <laughs> yes, I remember texting. I was like, "Hey, we there's no way that we're going to be able to eat these leftovers." Yeah, and my husband and I will literally eat anything, which. It was really good food, but we're always game for like anyone to just shout out. If anyone ever wants to give us leftovers, we will eat them. <laughs> yes. Okay, so yes. food. Yes. And then also a physical need whenever I was in the hospital. Like you don't know what you need after you deliver a baby. Yeah. So, you know, like the, I can't even describe the kind of underwear that they give you. Oh, yeah. Like, how, <laughs> like the cotton mesh They're underwear. Like, granny panties times 100 million. Yes. So my sister-in-law, one of my best friends, brought me like real normal, like granny panties, like not uncomfortable granny panties. Yes, that's good. Like, that's a good. <laughs> She's yes. a good one. Yes. Um. Also, emotional needs were met. Um. People, women specifically, so women from the church, friends, you, you just come and sit on my couch and sit in my grief with me. Like, so not try to fix me, not try to fix losing Wesley, but really just sit and let me tell the story and, I don't know, cry with me and weep with me. Mm -hmm. Those are really important things. So physical needs, emotional needs, but then also spiritual needs. Um, women would come and they would cry out to the Lord for me because there was I mean, there was a time where like I felt very near to the Lord, but a few weeks had passed and there was a time that I felt very far from the Lord. And it was in those moments that I needed friends to stand in the gaps and be, be my voice to Jesus whenever I couldn't say like, God, I need you. Um, so they, and so they would stand in the gaps for me, but also speak those truths over me. Like, Hey, no, God is good. Like God is good even still. Um, so that was really important. That's awesome. I love that you say that. Physical, spiritual, and emotional. And I think it's important to note, too, like, if you're a friend in one of these situations, like, having asking for discernment on when. Because there are certain times where it's like, I don't want to hear another Bible verse. Like, please. Right. You know? Right, right. <laughs> and, well, and that's the thing is also know what your gifts are. Like, if your mm. gift is not intercession I mean not saying that you shouldn't pray over your friend but <laughs> but like sometimes just know what they need and know yeah. I mean know your friend well enough to know like what's what's gonna to be read, good. yeah read the situation a little bit right right because when you're not sitting in that dark um depressed like far from God phase the Think, like truth is kind of running through your head of like, okay, but I know that this is true and I know that this isn't true, but it doesn't always have to be communicated at that time with the right. friend that's not feeling those things because it just feels trite a lot of times, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. So you guys still since it, so how, how long ago was that? Um, so that was on April 12th. So it's been right at four and a half months, four months. Four and a half months. And so um, since then, like you you guys have been continuing to try to get pregnant. Yeah. So, okay, this is in the immediate weeks following. We had lots of friends who were well-meaning, but they 
would encourage us by saying, well, you'll have babies again one day or you'll, um, you'll be parents one day, which that was really hard because it felt like we were putting our hope in a future pregnancy and that this story or Wesley's story would be redeemed by having another baby. And that was something that I didn't, like, I didn't want. I was like, no, I want our redemption to come through a different, like, I want our redemption to come through, like, us trusting the Lord and, like, the Lord's hand coming over us during this time. Um, but now that I've kind of sat in that a little bit longer, I can see, like, hey, no, our stories are redeemed. Like, our stories were redeemed by Jesus's work on the cross. Like, our past has been redeemed, our present's redeemed, and our future's redeemed. It just, how we walk through that redemption just looks a little bit differently. So yes, we have started trying again. Um, it's hard because we weren't trying with Wesley and we got pregnant. And now that we are trying and each month that goes by, it's like, well, okay, what's happening? Mm-hmm. Why is it, why isn't this working? This is supposed to be working. So trying to not let that become our focus. Like we're not promised that we're going to become biological parents. We're not promised that we're going to be satisfied in things of the world. Like we're promised Jesus. Right. So really trying to redirect our minds to remember that. Like, yeah. no, we're promised Jesus. Like our contentment's in him. It's not in things. It's not in parenthood. It's not in having good jobs or nice cars or anything like that. It's in Jesus himself. So, yeah. Yeah. I had a friend recently who when I was telling her some struggles I was having with like family and marriage and being a mom and uh, things that I wanted, like I was like, if we could just X, Y, Z, you know, things would be so much better or whatever. And this friend was saying, you know what, actually you have everything that you need. Like you have everything that you need. And so it's, it's good to have friends that will remind you of that and, Mm-hmm. and hard though at the same time but it's it's actually been super helpful for me to think of that like every time i have this longing wish i totally like voice that to the lord for sure like i tell him like hey right. i want this this is a desire in my heart but even if this never happens even if whatever like even then you you are what i need you will satisfy me even if i don't feel it like Help me to believe that you will satisfy me because that is a promise, like you're saying. Like there's right. all these things that we want to claim as promises, but they're really not. It's like he right. is our promise, just him. <laughs> right. Preach, yeah. girl. Preach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's living like it's living in a constant tension of, hey, I have this, I think that this is a godly desire, but yeah. how do I keep it as a godly desire and not make it an idol of my heart? So oh, you're right. It's constant tension. And yeah. like is the thought of being pregnant again one day consuming my thoughts or is King Jesus consuming my thoughts? So, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think everybody can identify with that. Um, so I haven't experienced miscarriage. I haven't to this point experienced infertility, but do you have like advice for those of us that haven't experienced that, but are walking with friends that have like, Things that are helpful or not helpful. Yes, I do have okay, some share, suggestions. Girl. Okay, so I've already touched on some of it, and yes, you have re- realizing like the emotional, physical, and spiritual needs. Those are very important. But then, like things that are 
like just remembering dates. So remembering the due date, remembering the delivery date, remembering the failed IUI date. And obviously those were human, like we're going to forget those things, but the, like, that's just a sweet thing to be like, Oh, that was really sweet of her to remember. And it helps with the isolation that a lot of women experience through infertility, miscarriage, infant loss. Um, Another really sweet thing is calling those babies by name. Like it means like my nurse after I delivered every time she came in, she was like, okay, we're getting Wesley's handprints. Now we're getting Wesley's footprints. Now we're going to take pictures of Wesley for you. Sweet. So making him calling him by name and just helping to make him known and remembered, like making his life significant. That's so helpful. Yeah. Um, And I said, standing in the gaps for your friends. So whenever you can see, I mean, you saw me whenever a few weeks after everything had gone down of just how angry I was with the Lord and how hard it was for me to say, God, you're good, even Mm -hmm. still. Mm -hmm. So preaching those truths over me and saying, God, you're good, even still for me. I think that was really helpful. Um, and then things that are not helpful, like putting hope in future babies, um, saying, hey, you'll be pregnant again one day. Those are, in the moment, those are really hurtful things because, like we talked about, they're not promised. Like, oh, you'll be pregnant one day. Like, no, it's not promised. We don't know that. Right. And that's so, not going to fix the fact that you lost Wesley. Right. Right. Like, yeah. The next baby isn't gonna fill Wesley's Wesley's shoes, right? Like, It'd be like gonna if, fill different shoes, right? If one of my sons died and somebody said, "Well, at least you have Rye, or at least you have Sully," I'd be like, right. "What? <laughs> right? No, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah." So it's hard for me to translate that through like like infertility because I I mean I haven't really experienced right. that, right? So I don't I don't know for like how to answer that question but But I I think that those principles are the same like and I super appreciate those are really like tangible things like putting in fact like I'm horrible with dates you know this about me Jamie but I'm horrible (laughs) I'm the world's worst date person and birthday person so but like I asked another friend who had experienced something similar to you Jamie what can I do like what should I do and she said put these dates in your phone and like put these dates in your phone right now. Like so that's one thing that I have like I have it on my calendar. Like different people and I and it applies to any type of loss. And it means a lot to me when it's been 5 years and my mom's been gone 5 years and I'm the only yeah. one holding that all day and then somebody texts me and is like, "Hey, love you thinking about you. I loved your mom." Mm-hmm. Or shares with me like a memory of her or whatever. It's just Right. Even if you're not a dates person, and that's not a promise that I will still remember, but hopefully. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I'll text you later with the date so you know. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Actually, I do have um, your dad's and Wesley's due date in my calendar. Oh, see, you're way ahead of the game. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, the intentions are good, whether I follow through or not. No. Um Man, yeah, thank you. Thanks, too, for, like, sharing 
those deep I mean I know that's very vulnerable stuff to share with like the whole world because literally anyone in the world could listen to this um if there's somebody and you've pro- you've probably covered this but is there anything else that you would say like if there's somebody walking in walking through miscarriage right now or walking through losing um a child or something right now similar to what you've been walking through is there anything that you would say to her that you haven't already said yeah I mean I've already said it but it's worth saying again yeah come <laughs> so, on I would say so God is good even still like even through the loss and suffering and death like he's good like you need to remember that preach that over yourself like have your friends preached over you um surround yourself with people who are going to sit in that brokenness with you um and then be prepared because he who started a good work in you is going to finish it so i feel like through this and through this loss and suffering what we've learned about the lord through this is going to be something that we're going to have to share with other people in the future who are walking through this as well. So I think it's a way that like the Lord will be glorified through this loss. I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah, Yeah. totally. That's good. That's good. Okay. So um, we'll kind of wrap up that portion. Um, Again, thank you seriously for sharing such a deep part of your story and a very recent one. I think that's something neat too, is it's not like there's this pretty bow on your story. Like, it's yeah. still ha- like you're still longing for another baby. You're still missing Wesley. You you know, like you're still in it, and it's not tied up in a pretty bow. But I am so encouraged to hear you say, especially that like he who began a good work in you will carry it forth into completion. Because those things are hard to say, and and so that's mm-hmm. good. I love hearing that you're saying that and that you're preaching that over yourself. Okay, so each show. We end by saying, if you could go back in time, five or 10 years, and tell yourself one thing, what would it be? And this can be like deep, or it can be shallow. (laughs) It'll probably probably be deep, because you're a deep person. I know. Well, this one isn't. I would tell myself not to dye my hair blonde. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Then you wouldn't have got to be Carrie Underwood's Stunt double, double. <laughs> so true, so true. <laughs> That's so but funny. I have well, no, I have regrets because my so my hair was blonde around the time my dad passed away, and I want to go back and like look at pictures of me and my dad. But in every single picture, I have this terrible <laughs> blonde hair. <laughs> Tainted memories. So no, okay, but on a serious note, I would tell. <laughs> Jamie 10 years ago to root herself in the goodness of the Lord and to enjoy the gift that he is rather than the gifts that he gives. Um, those are all good and sweet gifts, but like we've talked about already, they're not promised. Right. So I your contentment in Jesus. So, yep. That's awesome. That's what I tell. That's so good. Thank you, Jamie, for opening up and sharing with us. And hopefully someday I'll have you back on in a few years and you can tell us more of your story. Yes. In a few years? Yeah. It's a long time. A few years? A lot can happen in a few years. That's true. Um, thanks for having me on your very first podcast. Yes. Okay. So I love you. And I will probably talk to you in like five minutes. Okay. Yeah. I'll text you. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey guys, you can head on over to www.headedsomeplace.com 
for notes from today's show, as well as to see photos from Jamie's life. She also answered a couple other questions for us on there about the most influential book she has ever read and the music she's listening to and loving right now. If you enjoyed the show, it would mean so much to me if you would take a minute to subscribe, leave a review, and share the show with your friends. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope today you feel a little less alone and a little more encouraged.